So I wanted to carry on talking about future-proof, this idea of preparing for the year, preparing for the rest of our lives, and um, praying for you guys and thinking of the very many engagements that we seem to have in this church, which is, we might not have any kids, but boy, have we got engaged persons. If I think about, you know, in my conversations with people when we're in e-group, chatting to our e-group, a lot of the challenges that we face are often like relational, aren't they? They're like, like the biggest things that we, we love people, but at the same time, the drive is mental. And if I think about some of the biggest challenges that I've faced in the last few years, it's been relational challenges. It's been, it's been like, how do I make up with somebody? Or how, do, or how do I move on from somebody? How do, I, how do I leave something behind well? How do I change my job? How do I tell somebody that they've been a bit of a wind-up merchant, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, I want to sort of use uh, Danny Silk's teaching. He, he did some great teaching called Keep Your Love On, uh, which is a super book about um, helping you build relationally. And so I'm sort of going to use that as a, as a beginning, but then look at how Jesus managed his relational world and then what we could learn. Now we can build great friendships. We are fundamentally designed for relationship as humans. The God we worship is God in three persons. The Holy Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in perfect communion with each other. There's no devising them. There's no, there's no splitting them up. They are perfectly in union, yet separate. The scriptures are full of models of healthy relationships, patterns for living, instructions on opening up our homes, meeting together, how to say sorry to each other, loving our enemies and laying our lives down for one another. Like how we, um, how we relate to each other tells us a lot about who we believe God to be. In fact, 1 John says, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. It's like, <laughs> I didn't say it. That's what it says in the Bible. It's like, wow. Interpersonal relationships are a big deal to God. We can't say that we love God and we love Jesus, but I don't really like people. This is like, doesn't really work like that. But way back in the day, almost as soon as God creates interpersonal relationships, humans take it and mess it up big time. The first family dissolves into, I'm not talking about the American first family, I'm talking about the first biblical family, dissolves into shame, anger, and murder. Let's say if you're in your 20s, you are going to, well, by the time you're my age, you are going to spend the rest of your life managing decisions that you made in your 20s. So, if you don't want to regret things when you're 40 and 50, I've got regrets. But most of what I regret is things that I did when I was 26, 27, 28. I mean, I did some dumb stuff in the 30s. Let's not be foolish. Like, it's not where the stupidity ends at 30. It's not, not what I'm saying. Oh, just instantly downloads. If only somebody could inject me with some smartness and then... No, what I'm saying is you make big decisions in your 20s. You want to make quality decisions in your 20s. You don't want to make dumb decisions that you live to regret. Regret is such a toxic thing. It just drags people down from being able to live what the purpose, fulfill the purpose that God's got. Even if they're forgiven, sometimes we, even though we live in forgiveness, God forgives us. We sometimes struggle to forgive ourselves. Um, but great human relationships are incredible. They can have a synergistic effect where we become greater than the sum of our parts. We can heal and become resilient in community. We can have our deepest emotional needs met through friendship and intimacy. And we can find strength and purpose when we find our tribe. Like it's nothing be more beautiful than somebody who gets you. 
right? So I spent like a bit of time with Pete Gardner. I talked to you about last week. I went up to see him. I worked with him for 11 years, mapping out some ideas for Kingdom Company, work done, doing some of the work that we've done as a church, you know, how can we do missions in 2024? How can we, you know, strengthen our community groups? How do we strengthen our online presence and social media? I didn't have to explain anything. I didn't have to preface anything. He just got me. It's just a beautiful thing when you have those kinds of friendships. And I, I know so many of us fight and wrestle for those friendships. But number one, they are out there. Number two, you can have them. You just have to work and choose really hard or, or the kinds of people that you want in your life. How do we find them? How do we find these kinds of healthy relationships? And what are healthy relationships? What do they even look like? How do we choose friends and relationships that are good for us? How do we outgrow unhealthy ones? How do we move people out of our social space who are a bit toxic and have gone a bit strange? Because it's perfectly legitimate to do that, by the way. Let's look at what Jesus said and did together with a model called I'm calling the circle of influence or the circles of influence to help us make great decisions in our relationships this year. This is what I'm calling the me and Jesus sphere because we cannot escape the presence of Jesus. Jesus is with us at all times, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, Jesus is with us at all times. And Jesus modeled this kind of intimacy with his father and he says about the same time he says in Luke chapter 6 Jesus climbed to a mountain to pray he was there all night in prayer before God Jesus was constantly in prayer and in communion with his father he was constantly in intimate relationship unbroken if there was a big decision to be made Jesus went and connected with this heavenly father in fact he says that he didn't I don't do anything that I don't see the father doing so when we watch Jesus do stuff we're actually watching God do stuff so when Jesus puts a boundary in, that's God putting a boundary in. If you've struggled to have a boundary and have a justification or a theology for a boundary, I'm going to hopefully help you. Jesus was captain boundaries. I just made that name up. Don't think it will stick. But Jesus worked out his main purpose and he's gained his strength and he went before his father to make major decisions. He spent time there pouring out his heart, praying, connecting with his father, wrestling through his challenges. No one else was there. It was a super personal and intimate space. It's why we're holding space for prayer and we will continue to hold space for prayer. It's why we hold space for the examine because, and it might feel awkward, like Julie said, it does feel awkward. Whenever we come to pray, we often realize, oh, I didn't pray this week. And then we feel bad for praying. And so now we don't know how to pray. And then our prayer time is consumed with the amount of time we didn't pray. It's like, relax, <laughs> chill out. Let's just talk about cultivating a relationship with, with God the Father. So this intimate space, there is only space for you and Jesus. The next layer is what I'll call me and an intimate other. For many of us, it means our wife or our husband. For some people, it means their fiancé, about to be husband. But for many of you, it is your best friend. And um, all of those things are great. They're really helpful and life-giving. It's a picture of intimacy. In Genesis chapter 2, we've talked about this many times in this church, which is good. God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper or a suitable helper a companion to where we get the whole message of Asa Kinegdo matched, taking each other on, bringing out the best of each other, but calling out each other's nonsense at the same time. That is the scripture. We need that kind of intimate relationship. 
Like I'm, we've been 25 years married, me and Claire, uh, this uh, February. And um, she has seen me at my absolute worst. Living, I'm best, thanks babe, see, that's what I love her. And um, when I was depressed, living in my pajamas, eating satsumas, wouldn't go out of the house, she's seen me, but she's also seen me at award ceremonies. And what I love, what I can't, I can't tell you how great this is, when the crowd is big and there's, there's the, I've got this person who knows me and saw me in my pajamas when I was eating satsumas because I was so depressed. I would, I would, I'll tell you which one I would trade. I would trade the crowd for that any day because, no, I would trade that for the crowd any day because the crowd comes and goes, but that is a sustaining thing. And that's the kind of thing that, that God wants to give us. And they must earn the right to be there. Keep your standards high, fam. They must earn the right to be there. There was time where me and Claire were moving quite close towards each other and I was being a bit of a, what's the appropriate word? Numpty. And she said, I'm going to finish with you if you don't start booking your ideas up. And I was like, you won't do that. <laughs> Behold me. I'm amazing. How can you? What are you thinking of? You're, it's your loss. Anyway, she did. She kicked me to the curb. And um, I couldn't believe it. I just thought she's done it. I tell you what, it sobered me up. Not that I was drinking. It just what it wised me up. So, like, this woman's got standards. She's got boundaries. There's things we do and don't do in these intimate places. Like, nah. She's like, nah. Stop it. It was awesome. It was shocking. But there was a cost to it. And she, she was like Mr. T. She pitied the fool. She just didn't mess about. Never give your intimate self to people who haven't earned it, online or in 4D. <clears throat> At this stage... Uh, we're still different. You can still be different as people. You are still different as people. If it's your best mate, you celebrate each other's differences. But our purpose, our values are the same. Me and Claire come at We're so passionate about very similar things. But we come at it from completely different angles. If her car broke down, this is what I would do. This denotes a level of commitment, right? So I'm coming to get you, no questions asked. I've got every resource is at your disposal because we probably picked the car together and it's our responsibility. <laughs> we share it. I will pay for the repairs and I will make sure we have breakdown cover and I will make sure that the car is safe for you to drive in. That's the level of commitment of that. Of that. Now, we're going to notice that not everybody gets that level of commitment, but that's the level of commitment that we have at our core. If you're married in here, you probably have similar levels of commitment. Then there's another sphere. These are your close family or friends. They can be family or friends. Now, the thing about this, these spaces, I'm painting this picture, it's a model. There's no hard and fast to it, but they're really helpful spaces for you. You might have close family. So for me, Judah's in there, Sam's in there, Gracie's in there. And then there's a couple of other people who are in there as well. And they're my close family and friends. Jesus modeled this when he had the 12 disciples, but he had the three. He had his three. Jesus took Peter and the brothers, James and John. Didn't take Matthew. Didn't take Judas. Didn't take some of the others who I can't remember the name of. Took them three. 
and led them up a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out right before their eyes. Sunlight poured from his face. His clothes were filled with light. That's Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 to 2. And Jesus was exclusive in this passage of scripture. We don't really know why Jesus took, picked those three, but he constantly picked those three guys. You, 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 and you. It's really important that you are exclusive in some of your relationships. Because exclusivity is necessary and a healthy boundary. It communicates value and priority. And it shows those who are closest to me that I value them and that I am prioritizing them over other people. Doesn't mean I hate other people, means you're my priority. And when we say yes to some things, we're saying no to other things. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's all right. There's a layer, there's another layer of intimacy. If you, have if you have spaces here with some of your close friends, if you find yourself lacking close friends, don't fill them with randomers, I've written here. Do you know what randomers are? Does that make sense? Is it a hooper word? Sometimes we say, Tom, Dick and Harriet, yeah. Don't fill them with randomers. Hold the space. Resist the temptation to make somebody be something that they're not. You might need a kind of friendship and you know this person, you start spending a lot of time with them and you're thinking, maybe we could be besties. But deep down, you know, ah, don't force it. Just really want to encourage you not to force it. Just wait, wait and hold the space. There's nothing wrong with holding a space for somebody. There's some spaces in my life I'm holding for somebody I don't know who they are yet. But in the, in the close spaces that I need, there's some spaces and I haven't filled them yet and I'm all right with that. And God will bring those people to you. Then there's me and other friends. Next layer. These are friends of friends. People at church. I know them and I like them. They might be people in my extended circle. And I want to go deeper in friendship maybe one day. But it will require levels of intimacy and time that I haven't got yet. And in order to move from one level to another level of intimacy, there is more required from that relationships. But these people are like your tribe. They're your kind. They're the people who may share your values, but don't have you don't have that same level of intimacies that your besties do. I've known Pete for 10 years. There's a reason we're really tight. It's because we've known each other for so long. It's exclusivity. I'm absolutely fine with that. But there are people in this circle who may become really close. And I don't want to say no, never. I'm, I'm going to say, well, let's see how we go. We're only like six months in. It's a bit soon. There's nothing wrong with taking your time. At about the same, uh, Jesus did this thing with the 12. He, was, uh, he, he selected those 12 people. He designated them as apostles. And they had a certain access to him, but they didn't have exclusive access to him like the three did. And, um, you know, as you see these green people populating this uh, diagram, have a little think about your own relationships too. And then there's uh, the, me and the people I know. I call them the people I know. Orange people, all of them. They're all orange. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Jesus appointed three 12 and 72. There are 72 other people who were in Jesus' life and had access to Jesus and in his world. But they weren't going up the mountain with him and seeing him shine. They had, they had, they were, they were, they were important, and they were. He knew them. I got friends like this. I know them. I'm thinking about some people yesterday. If the, if his car broke down, here's what I might say to him: I might pay for a taxi for you to get home. Um, 
but I'm more likely to just give you a number of a mechanic because I don't, I don't have the time or the energy to come and get you. I don't have the relational commitment to you to sort of like pay for your car to be repaired. I say, hey, man, oh, sorry to hear that. Here's the number of a great mechanic. I hope this helps. If you get good at what God has gifted you to do in this sphere, you probably are feeling the pressure here. So if you've got a skill, if you've got an ability, this is the layer, the sphere of people that you're going to find a little bit of pressure from. Because when you get good at something, you have to learn to put limits around it. <laughs> Let's look at Johnny Papworth, for example. Extremely gifted man in many ways. His, his energy and his time, people will draw that from you, I imagine. And you have, had, I imagine this is true, you've had to put constraints. Like we had a conversation the other day. It's like, here's when I'm available, here's when I'm not. It's a good boundary. But if you get good at fixing broken things, broken things start looking for you. Like for me in public ministry, I used to get in trouble all the time. I became a magnet for a certain kind of person. And it was a complete mystery to me why I kept having the same conversation with the same kind of people. And because I went back to my intimate other, Claire, and I said, babe, how come I keep having long conversations about people who just talk in front of me and then they don't know what to do and I don't know what's happened, but it's been 45 minutes and I'm really hungry. And in fact, I'm really angry at the end of it all. I don't even know what's happened. She said, you're sending out a signal that you're available for that kind of conversation. <laughs> it was so harsh. I was like, yeah, but I want to be kind. She said, yeah, but it's depleting your energy. Look at that. You don't, you're not very good at those conversations. You don't want those conversations. <laughs> they don't get what they want from you. It's a lose-lose scenario. <laughs> Nobody wins. Everybody's frustrated. And worst of all, hungry. Oh, nothing good happens if you're hungry. Let's say that. So you have to put a boundary around it. So what I learned to do was, People came to me and said, oh, can I have a really, you know, I need to say something. It'd be really deep and it'd be really prolonged. And I'd say, can we just take a pause at the minute? Is there any way we could catch up about this in the week? Or is there, you know, because I, and I put these boundaries in. Oh, so helpful. And I know a lot of people struggle with this because we, we, we've we talked about it, we, we, it over the years. But I'm going to answer two questions in the most helpful way that I think I can. How do I move somebody into a circle? How do I move somebody out of a circle, right? I boiled it down as if I was speaking to um, one of our kids who are younger. How do I move somebody in? By watching what they do and what they say. By spending more time with them. By showing them a little bit more of yourself. By asking questions and by looking at the quality of their actions and outcomes. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 19, the proof of wisdom is in the actions it produces. So I'm not judging you. I'm seeing the outcome of your decisions. And by that, I'll decide whether or not we, how much of my real estate to give you. If, you're, if you say you're a peaceful person, but you're really not, I'm going to just acknowledge that. And I'm going to allow you, I'm going to place you appropriately in my life. Here's what I used to do. <laughs> if you were said you were a peaceful person and you were not a peaceful person, old Matt would feel it was my duty and responsibility to bring peace to your life. It's not my job. <laughs> my job is to be peaceful. That's all. 
All right, how do I move somebody out? And this is tricky. This is what you don't do. Don't tell somebody you're moving somebody out of the circles. You and me are over. Don't do that. How do you move somebody out? <laughs> the opposite way of how you move somebody in. By spending less time with them. By guarding what you give away to them. And by watching what you do and say around them. And if you're, this is a kicker, if you're struggling to set a boundary with somebody who's uh, difficult, toxic, controlling, ask yourself this question. If my son or my daughter or my little brother or my little sister was being treated like this, what would I tell them? And the reality is you are somebody's son and daughter. You are somebody's um, little brother and sister. And we shouldn't tolerate behavior towards ourselves that we wouldn't um, allow for the people that we love. We often think that, yeah, but I'm helping this person by taking it on board. Yeah, but your kids are watching you. Yeah, but your family are watching you take that on. And what happens is you're modeling to them how to be a punching bag for other people. <laughs> what your kids or what your people around you need to see, and they need to see it in me, is a person who understands their worth, but is not arrogant. A person who's on mission and has got purpose, but has got time to care for people. We're going to see that Jesus cared for the crowd. He just didn't trust the crowd. If you break down and you're in this general sphere of people, I'm literally going to text you a number of a mechanic. All right, and then finally, this is uh, my favorite one. You can see where my mind goes. One after this, mate. Right, let's take a little moment. I like the way you saw that straight away. That's why you're in my inner circle. <laughs> That's why we're tight right now because if if Hasbullah could be in the yellow, I'm not being funny, babe. <laughs> it's a future. So here's the crowd right and here's the crowd and what i what i'm i'm just going to wrap up in five minutes but here's the crowd this is the crowd and what i'm going to call like celebrity culture and stuff right because this is a huge effect on our relationships and our expectations of relationships around now so i googled i didn't use chat cpc i googled i'm still holding out for google come on google make it a two horse race i uh googled you know some of the most famous people in the world swifties at the top any swifties in a couple of swifties in She's getting a resurgence, isn't she? Leo Messi didn't put Ronaldo in. He's gone. Uh, Leo, Oprah, Hasbullah. I don't know how to explain who Hasby is to people who don't know who Hasby is. And then there's Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Will Smith, LeBron James. These are all massive cultural forces. Some of you may have, you can insert your own people in the crowd. There is a place for the crowd and for culture in your life. There is. I mean, it's so interesting. These people are so interesting. But I, I'm going to fool myself if I think I can have some kind of intimate relationship with them. If I'm, I can slide into their DMs. The culture that we live in at the minute, though, if you think about it, places an incredible amount of emphasis on this, this sphere rather than the, the other way that Jesus did it. There's opportunities for redemption and salvation everywhere. However... If what, Elon, if what Elon Musk thinks of me is more important than what Jesus thinks of me, I'm going to be in trouble. If I listen to Elon Musk, 
their worldview and their values shape my values without me knowing them intimately, I'm going to be in trouble because I haven't got the intimate relationship with them, been able to be able to build trust and relationship and friendship. Does that make sense? So this is what Jesus did. During the time he was in Jerusalem, those days of the Passover feast, many people noticed that the signs he was displaying and seeing they pointed straight to God, entrusted their lives to him. But Jesus, even though they entrusted their lives to him, Jesus did not entrust his lives to them. That's what he says. He knew them inside out, knew how untrustworthy they were. He didn't need any help in seeing right through them. Now, that's not necessary. That's not a negative thing. That's just basically the behavior of crowds. Crowds are made up of thousands or millions of individuals. And if we entrust ourselves to the public sphere, to the crowd, there's no telling. It's an unruly thing. If you place yourself in crowds, you are, you are at the mercy of their behavior. And, and, and Jesus did not play that game. Jesus understood his purpose and didn't change that for the crowd because he didn't need their approval. There's something really powerful if we can't walk into a public space without needing the approval of the people we're standing in front of. It's awesome. It means that Je Jesus can genuinely help people because I don't need you. I don't care what you think of me anymore because behind the scenes, I've got this matrix of relationships that are super healthy. I've got the three, I've got the 12, I've got my relationship with Father God. He knew his purpose and his purpose was to die on a cross for the sake of humanity. He loved his enemies and he prayed for them and he helped people in crowds. But at the same time, he shared the intimate parts of himself with those he chose to be closest to him. And those were the people who carried his message to the end of the world. The crowds didn't carry his message. His mates did, his close friends did. So how do I choose my friends? Last slide. Thank you guys for listening this morning. I hope it hasn't been too long. You don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree, nor good apples off a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. <laughs> Jesus just spitting bars again. Just like, it's just in, this is how you tell. You look at the fruit. You must begin with your own life-giving lives. It's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into words and deeds. If you want to know what people are like, just let them talk. God, the Father, has delegated the ability to make and keep relationships to us. Right? I hope this is helping. Henry Cloud, Boundaries Magician, just a guy, man, if you ever want more chats on this. Safe people do three things. They bring us closer to God, closer to others, and closer to who we were truly made to be. Let's, um, let's quickly pray and then we'll close. Lord, you, um, we want to make you uh, the safest place. Lord, teach us how to be safe in your company and teach us how to be able to be intimate with you. And teach us, Lord Jesus, to uh, make great decisions about the relationships that we have. We want to give space and opportunity for the relationships that you have for us. And I pray that you help us Hold the space and be patient for the people that you want to bring to us who aren't here yet. I pray you help us build communities in this church that are really healthy, God, and that we not get caught up in trying to 
you know, give too much away too soon, that we'd be safe people for each other. Uh, thank you for what you do in this community and we give you thanks. Amen.